Hi, everybody, and happy NBA Draft Day. Bob Rathman greeting you from Atlanta and our Trophy Life podcast this week. And what a great night it will be for 60 young men to hear their names called. It is going to be exciting. We'll talk about it as we remind you that our Trophy Life podcast is brought to you by Warner Ladder. They're our official sponsor, of course, of the Warner Ladder Naismith Coach of the Year Awards and the official ladder of professional contractors everywhere. Warner, the number one pro ladder. Step up your game with Warner Ladder. Go to stepupwithwarner.com to learn more. This is such a great night for basketball. These young men have been dreaming of being drafted, having their name called. And, you know, in years past, it's walking up the steps and shaking Adam Silver's hand or David Stern's hand and being welcomed into the NBA family. We'll have to do it virtually this year, but the excitement level remains the same. So many young men, uh, it's just going to be a great night tonight to watch their expressions and, and see how this all folds uh, falls out uh, for the teams that are drafting them. There's some guys, of course, that have ties to the Naismith and ties to the Atlanta Tip-Off Club that we wanted to remind everybody about. Uh, we're looking at you guys. Anthony Edwards may very well be the number one pick in the draft tonight by Minnesota. Plus, of course, played his freshman year last year at Georgia. He was our 2020 Men's Georgia College Player of the Year and our 2019 Atlanta Metro. Player of the Year. From Cartersville, Georgia, the Kentucky Wildcat Ashton Hagens was our 2018 Atlanta Tip-Off Club Mr. Georgia Basketball. And the swingman from Auburn, Isaac Okoro at McEachern, was our 2018 First Team All-Metro Award winner. Now, of course, on the Naismith side of things, we've got Obi Toppin, who was our 2020 Jersey Mike's Naismith Trophy winner from Dayton, expected to go in the top 10 tonight. And Isaiah Stewart out of Rochester, New York, was our 2019 Jersey Mike's Naismith High School Player of the Year. He just wrapped up his uh, play in college for the Washington Huskies. So some of the guys uh, that with ties to the Naismith that will be on stage uh, tonight virtually as we get ready for the draft this evening. Our Jersey Mike's news and notes as we get set for the NBA draft. Coming up, we'll hear from Rob Doster as he talks about this tumultuous week in NCAA basketball. But all that's coming up on my chat with Rob in just a moment. But first, this from Jersey Mike's. Good things come to those who wait. At Jersey Mike's, they also come to those who don't. Download our app, order ahead, and skip the line. Cut to the Chase by Jersey Mike's. Be a sub above. Rob Doster has been covering basketball at all levels with extensive experience in the college game and the NBA draft. He worked for 10 years for NBC Sports, but as you'll hear Rob talk about in a minute, he was part of the COVID layoffs. But he started a new adventure that's gaining popularity day by day. He talks about that as well. We also zero in with Rob about the news of the week, and that, of course, coming from the NCAA on Monday, to take the NCAA tournament to one region around Indianapolis to play all the games. So we'll talk about all that coming up. My interview this week with Rob Doster. Great to catch up with a great friend of the Naismith, Rob Doster, who joins us after a crazy day. We're recording this on Monday night, and uh, the news hit us like a ton of bricks, Rob. I'm sure it did you, too, uh, to find that the NCAA is moving the tournament to a single site. That's the plan. That's the wish. Your reaction to the news of the day? I think that it is a good thing. 
I think that it is something the NCAA needed to do. Uh, the way that I kind of view this entire situation and really this entire season in general is to create the least amount of risk possible. You know, let's, let's limit travel as much as we possibly can. Let's limit contact with people outside of the basketball programs themselves as much as we possibly can. You know, the, the way that this, this virus is spreading right now in this country, especially, you know, in the Midwest and the South and the places where college athletics kind of, uh, kind of, kind of rules the land, uh, you, you don't want to have, have the players going out in the community. You don't want them to have to deal with going to airports. And this is for every single level for every single team. The least amount of contact they can have. Like, ideally, we would want to send all of these teams to a bubble, right? You want, a bubble for Summit League play. You want a bubble for Big Ten play. You want a bubble for everything because the NBA, I think they proved that the best way, the most effective way to be able to have sports right now in the coronavirus era is to put everybody in a bubble and cut off access from the outside world. But I just don't think that that is uh, financially feasible to do for college athletics, not at the level that, that, that we would want it to be at. So, Finding a way to minimize travel and minimize risk and minimize exposure and minimize uh, the chance that you were going to have somebody catch this virus and somebody test positive in the middle of the NCAA tournament, the best way to do that is to put everybody in the same city. Don't make them go on airplanes. Don't make them go to airports. Don't make them travel. Don't make them do any of that. Just take them from the hotel to the gym and back and do that for the entirety of the tournament. Let's get this thing played. So, uh, I love it. I think Indianapolis is the perfect place for it. Uh, I hope that they don't let fans in. You know, as much as I want fans to be there, as much as I want the experience of college basketball to be back, like, you know, it, we're going to be having all these guys playing indoors. We don't know how this thing spreads indoors as well. We don't know what's going to happen if there's uh, more of a second wave. So um, limit the fans, limit the exposure, and hopefully we can can get this tournament done uh you know, without having anybody testing positive and without having anything crazy happen. And, and you know what? I, I was thinking about this. It, it's it's really not an ideal situation at all. But I do think that there is going to be part of it that is kind of like a throwback to the AAU days. You know, these guys, all, all these players, everybody that plays major Division One basketball at some point played on an AAU circuit where they would play in these tournaments where you play two or three games in a day and, you know, everybody's in the same gym and everybody's watching the same games. And it's, it has nothing to do with fans. It has nothing to do with the outside world. It's all about the ball and all about the competition. And I do kind of feel like that is what we will get a little bit in a tournament in a setting like this. So um, I do think that while it's certainly not under ideal circumstances, there is a way to make this be a really fun and really unique experience for the guys that are involved. And, and you know, for – uh, for the seniors and for the players that are only going to have this chance to play in the tournament, I, I do hope that they can make the most out of it. Yes, it was so heartbreaking last year. Rob, talking to your contacts today after the news, how do you think this is going to happen? Because not only do you have the entire tournament under one roof, you've got to accommodate for practice. Uh, if you move in, maybe you don't leave. So that means for four teams, you're going to be there a while. Uh, any thoughts about how they're going to pull this off in terms of venues and, and games being played all in one? They don't have the luxury of spreading it out across the country in different time zones. Yeah, you know, I, I think the best option is to do uh, the, the whole concept of 14 pods, right, and just make those teams, all four of those teams are going to be housed in the same hotel. 
and all four of those teams are going to be taking the same buses to the same facilities and practicing in the same re- arena to eliminate any kind of, uh, like, I guess, cross-contamination maybe. is I don't even know if that's the right word to use in this situation. But, you know, <laughs> if if you are playing, let's just say that they're using Assembly Hall for one of them, right? If you're playing at Assembly Hall, you and whatever pod that you would be in, like think of it like the 11689 of the West region, right? And then what they would do is they would send you to a hotel where you are right next to Assembly Hall. And uh, what you would do is you would, you know, you go from the hotel to the arena and back for the practices that you have. And you can stagger those so everybody can get in the gym and get their time in the gym and get their work in the gym and, um, and be able to make sure that everyone gets their practice time, plays the game, uh, is able to do all of these things without having exposure and, and you know, access to uh, potentially um, contracting the virus from someone that is not involved in the specific game themselves. So um, I do think that that's probably the best way. If you do that times uh, 16 or times 8 or whatever, then that's the best way, I think, uh, to make it happen. It's just, you know, that's how you're going to limit the exposure for all of this. That's how you're going to limit the amount of contact that these people have with, with uh, I, want, I, I say the outside world, like the outside world is, is, is the worst place to be. But it's like, it's really the situation that we're in right now. It's just, it's so surreal to be, you know, I, I know that we've been dealing with this, with this for like eight months, and, and all of us have kind of become accustomed to the new normal, but it's still surreal that we have to think about not allowing college athletes to have exposure to the outside world. Just the, that's, it, it, I can't believe I'm saying that sentence. You know, you mentioned the success of the NBA bubble in Orlando, and as scary as it has been here this month of November with all the football postponements and cancellations and trying to get basketball off the ground. I would think that the hope in college basketball is going to be, well, if we can make it to Thanksgiving, we sort of, kind of, in a way, can create a limited bubble with the kids gone home not to return until January or February. And maybe that will buy us enough time to get games in um, leading up to March Madness down the road. Do you see it that way? Yeah, you know, I honestly think that that is the best case scenario, and that is why the NCAA delayed the start of the season a couple of weeks to try to get all the students out of there. And, and look, the way that, that I've kind of thought about this is just basketball players and athletes in general, it, it's impossible to escape the community that you live in, right? You can live in a separate dorm. You can live in a separate house. You can uh, only drive your car from that house to the arena and back. You can uh, take all of your classes online. You can do all of those things, right? You still got to go to the grocery store at some point, right? You still have to go, like, put gas in your car. You're still going to have some exposure to the community that you live in. And the problem is, on these college campuses, the communities that these players are a part of is where you're seeing this virus spread the most. And, you know, I, I know everyone's going to say, survival rate, survival rate, blah, blah, blah. What, I hate people that say that because – At this point, what we've proven in this country is if you get it, you are going to be quarantined. Everything is going to get shut down. If there's an outbreak within a team, it's going to ruin everything for the better part of a month, right? So at some point, we just kind of have to accept this idea, even if you're you're, you're a non-believer in the the coronavirus or whatever. If you're you're someone that that wants to go that way and and have some of those opinions, like, fine, do do whatever you got to do. But you got to understand that the way that our world has going to work until we get a vaccine, until we get this thing solved, is that if you test positive, everything shuts down. So I I want people to understand that 
getting these players, like getting these communities where all of these college kids live, once it empties out, then the virus is going to be spreading in those communities, I think, at a much lower rate. I hope, at least. At least that's the way that I'm kind of uh, telling the story in my head. So when that happens, I think you'll be able to see uh, these games go on a little bit um, a little bit more easily. And I think that we'll see less situations where uh, teams and players are going to have to shut things down because there's a positive test for, like, a support staff member. So um, I, I hope that's the way it's going to work. And, and you know, I, what the best-case scenario would be is not just, uh, having having the kids gone until mid January or whatever it is, but like, what if colleges don't open back up? What if schools say, you know what, we're gonna let this thing ride out. We're gonna start out the second semester by doing uh, learn from home. Um, I think at this point, like the checks have cleared for the semesters. At this point, right, you probably have had to pay for it already, which I think is the biggest reason why they ended up opening those doors because those universities needed that 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 money, that tuition money, uh, the 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 payments for having a spot in the dorm room. Like, once you get those checks coming in, then I don't think it matters as much if uh, if if you shut things down. So I do think that that's certainly something that's going to be in play as well. Rob, as we get the season underway, a new year of uh, the Naismith Awards, and at the top of the list, I think, for everybody is Luca Garza. But tell us, uh, you know, the guys that you've got your eye on at the top of the heap that we can watch as we get going next week. I mean, it's definitely uh, Luca Garza and, to me, Kate Cunningham are the two guys at the very top of the list. And personally, I would go with um, Garza, number one, uh, just because I don't think that – the way that I view the player of the year race and the Naismith race and, and, and all of this stuff is uh, you got to be, like, on a team that wins at a certain level, right? If you look back in the last 15 years, the guys that have won all of these awards – we're either on a, a legitimate national contitle tender, like a number one or a number two seed, or they were on a top four seed and having like just an unbelievable season, whether it was someone like Jimmer Fredette in 2011 when he averaged uh, 30 points a game for BYU, who was a number three seed. Uh, Kevin Durant won it in 2007 when he averaged like 27 and 12 for Texas when they were a number four seed. Doug McDermott averaged 26. Uh, for the Creighton team that was a three seed in 2014. So if you're not having an absolute outlier season for a three or four seed, or you're not the best player on one of the best teams in the country, you're not going to win the award. And I don't think that Cade Cunningham is going to be on a team that is good enough to be able to uh, compete for one of the top four seeds, especially since Oklahoma State's not eligible for the NCAA tournament right now. Like, think about it. Trey Young averaged 30 points and 10 assists and Jalen Brunson won National Player of the Year that season. Um, so that's just, uh, you know, I, I think there's an argument to be made that maybe Luke Garza won't be on a team that's good enough, but I think that he's got a much better chance of being, a, one, of being on one of the best 16 teams in the country than Cade Cunningham does. Other than Luke and Cade, anybody else uh, strike you at the top? I think that there's a chance that like someone like Jared Butler can go out and average uh, 20 a game for a Baylor team that competes for a national title and wins the award. I think Io DeSunmu at Illinois, if they end up being the team that wins the Big Ten and he has a massive year, he's someone that will certainly be in contention. You know, he's the guy that I think has the best chance to um, have some of these, like, uh, I guess, Naismith moments or whatever you, however you want to phrase it, like, hey, the game-winning shot when you're playing on national television type of a thing. So um, I would not be surprised to see someone like an Io DeSunmu 
in the mix as well. Well, Rob, you're sort of the microcosm of 2020. Nice job, laid off, what to do. You come up with a brand new idea that the college basketball community is absolutely going to love. Tell us about the rebound and also about the new podcast network with our good friend Jeff Goodman. So I was part of NBC's COVID cutbacks back in August. And since I had some time to kill and since I had a little bit of uh, financial wiggle room with a buyout that NBC gave me, um, I decided that I was going to try to start out and do my own thing. You know, it's not the easiest time to be going out and trying to find a new job right now. I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. Uh, so I decided to start a podcast network and uh, it's called the Field of 68 Media Network. And the way that it works is that we have a couple of national podcasts to build the brand around. Uh, I'm hosting one with Deshaun Butler, former All-American from West Virginia. We have Jeff Goodman hosting one with Robbie Hummel, who played in the NBA and was an All-American at Purdue. We have Tim Miles hosting a podcast where he goes off and has the most inane conversations with some of the biggest names in the coaching industry. Uh, we have Christy Winter Scott is hosting a National Women's College Basketball podcast for us. And then we also have uh, team-specific podcasts that are hosted by the stars of these programs, whether it is A.J. Guyton hosting an Indiana podcast, which has been unbelievable so far. We have Eric Devendorf hosting a, a Syracuse podcast, which has been just terrific. He's been able to get Jim Beheim and Mike Hopkins and Jerry McNamara on, and, and uh, we have – um, Andre Dawkins is doing a Duke podcast. We have uh, Patrick Young doing a Florida podcast. And, and for all of the biggest programs in the country, we have these guys that had played for these teams. You know, when you are a college basketball fan, and I experienced this as a, as a UConn fan growing up, what you want more than anything else, at least what I wanted, was to know what the day-to-day was like when you are a part of these programs and not just the stuff that you see and not, you know, on the games or the stuff that they talk about on the broadcast. Like what is it really like to be a member of the Indiana basketball program? What is it really like to have played for someone like Bill Self or someone like Roy Williams or someone like Bob Knight and the guys within this network, whether it's Shaman Williams at North Carolina or Jeff Hawkins at Kansas are the guys that can tell you that. And they can have the conversations with, the guys that they played with, you know, and, and, and to me, there really is nothing better than, than kind of being involved in, in one of those conversations of, hey, remember when, when it involves players where you want to know the stories that they were involved in, right? When Eric Evendorf and, and Jerry McNamara are talking about when they played two-on-two uh, against Buddy Beheim and Joe Girard, those are the stories that I want to hear. If it's A.J. Moye talking about how he found out that Bob Knight was being fired when he was a freshman at Indiana. Those are the stories that I want to hear. So uh, I, I think what we're able to bring you is, is access into the day-to-day life of the biggest name programs and the biggest name players. And I just, I don't think that that exists anywhere else. And I think it's, uh, you know, we've had some success with it so far, and I think that it's only going to grow. And I'm having, it's the first, you know, it's been a lot of work, but it's the first time when I really feel rewarded with the work that I've been doing in a long time. Well, they're great stories, and uh, I am downloading them as fast as I can. Rob, they're terrific, and and my congratulations to all of you all uh, for putting this together. And if you're a college basketball fan, you got to check it out. And we can't wait for the new season. So, buddy, the best. Stay healthy. Uh, I don't know if you're going to be traveling early on, but if you are, be safe. And thanks so much, and, and we appreciate all you do for the Naismith. Well, thanks for having me on.
Rob, thank you very much and all the best in your latest endeavors. And thank you for what you do for us here at Naismith. And speaking of next week on the podcast, next Wednesday, of course, we will sound the bell and open the brand new college basketball season for the men and the women. We'll talk about that, set you up for the key games of the weekend and what's happening around the country. That's all coming up right here on a Trophy Life podcast next week. As always, brought to you by Warner. Step up your game with Warner Ladder. Go to stepupwithwarner.com to learn more. Enjoy the draft tonight. We are inching closer to real games again. We'll pull it off somehow in the midst of this pandemic. Thanks for joining us. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next week. Bob Rathbun from Atlanta saying so long.